This message was recorded live at Elevate Church in Erie, Pennsylvania. As followers of Christ, we follow a God who was crucified, dead, buried, got up, walked out of the tomb, demonstrating that there's nothing that you and I can't walk out of. He doesn't love me based on my performance. God loves me based on my position. It matters so much that we imitate Christ and we live out those principles. There's nothing that you could do. There's there's no great sin that you could have ever committed that would be a barrier between you and Jesus. To learn more about Elevate, how you can get connected, or how you can support the work that Elevate is doing in Erie, visit elevateerie.tv. Hey, I want to say welcome. If you're a first-time guest here at Elevate Church, you picked a great day to join us. My name's Colby. I'm the pastor, and we're starting a brand new series called Killjoy. Now, many of you are thinking, what's Killjoy about? Well, here's the deal. We all have those people in our life that love to suck the life out of us, don't we? Like, you got those people that just kind of drain you. And so what we're going to do for the next few weeks, we're going to talk specifically about certain kinds of individuals that really, you know, kill us of our joy, that rob our joy in our life. So here's where we're going, just so you know. Next week, we're going to talk about the manipulators, all right? Those that like to control, you know, through their actions, control the situation. Then we're going to talk about the fakers, the hypocrites, right? The people that say one thing, do another thing. And then ultimately, we're gonna wrap this up talking about the haters, those that are negative all the time. So we're going manipulators, fakers, haters. Got it? All right. Today, though, we're gonna talk about all of us. Today, this is gonna kind of set the tone for where we're going. This is for everyone in the room. And I wanna throw up our, our kickoff verse here found in 2 Timothy chapter two. If you have your Bibles, um, I came across this verse and it was almost like, you know, I gave God this shout out. I'm like, yes, God, you know what I'm dealing with, all right? So watch this, 2 Timothy chapter two, verse 23. Paul's telling this young pastor in the faith, Timothy, this is what he says again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. Be able to teach and be patient with what? Difficult people. Thank you, God. You know what I'm going through, right? Like, aren't you glad that God understands the real world? God knows that there are difficult people in our planet. That aren't there those people in your life that you think their, their whole job in life is to make you miserable? And God says, man, I, I know that you have those people. Paul goes on to warn Timothy how to cope. He says, gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's Hearts, those peoples, I just want to be clear, we don't have any of those peoples in this room today, all right, just so you know. No difficult people here. And they will learn the truth, then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap, for they have been held captive by him and do whatever he wants. Would you pray with me? God, we need biblical solutions as we navigate the, the maze of personalities, as we talk about difficult people, and if we were all honest today, we can also be the difficult ones. So I pray, God, that you would help us today through your word to show us how we respond and how we overcome those, those crazy makers in our life. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. amen. 
Amen, amen. Hey, before we dive in uh, to the, the message today, turn to your neighbor and tell them, hey, this message is for you. You're gonna need this. And then turn to the other person and say, he's talking about you. He's talking about you. Max Lucado says this, some people have been called to be missionaries of misery sent into our world to wreak havoc. How many of you got a missionary in your life? Yeah. Man, I feel like sometimes I got all the missionaries in my life, and maybe you do too. And when we're talking about how we, you know, understand what, what makes, you know, someone difficult, what, what is the DNA of the difficult? What's the DNA of the killjoy in our life? It's important for us to understand kind of where they're coming from because it also helps us understand when we are being the difficult ones, when we ourselves are being the killjoys as well. So we need to remember why there are killjoys. In fact, there are two reasons I'll give you real quick. One is this, we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen, sinful world that impacts all of us. There's no such thing as perfect people. There's no one in this room that is perfect. And we all can be difficult at times. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned, right? And fall short of that glorious standard of God. There's no such thing as a perfect person. No such thing as perfect people. You know, and you actually might be the difficult one. Shh, we won't tell anybody, all right? So before we start to, you know, think that we're not it, just understand we live in a fallen, sinful world. The other reason that I believe relationships are, are, are challenging and can be difficult is because I don't think there's anything like relationships that gets attacked more by our spiritual enemy, the devil. Because relationships are where we find our greatest source of joy, but also where we find that greatest source of pain and conflict in our lives because we were made for relationship. You guys know that. I mean, we marry, you know, one another. We like, we have children, we work together, we work in communities, we live in communities. You know, we join clubs, we do sports. You know, we do all these different things, these associations together because we're better together. So of course, the enemy would wanna have this all out assault on our relationships. He wants to do everything he can to ruin our relationships, why? Again, they're our source of our greatest joy, but can also be our source of our greatest pain and conflict. And the way we work through that conflict is what's important. The way we, the way we manage that conflict and if we're not careful, what happens when we start you know, having conflict with one another, other killjoys in our life, um, we start getting caught up in the symptoms of that conflict, not the sickness of it. Like we start to deal with the fruit of it, the things that we see on the outside, but never diving down to deal with the root of it. And something you need to know is Jesus, you know, never got caught up in the symptoms. He always went below the surface. He always went to the, the root of the sickness over and over. So to start us off, I made a list of the killjoys in my life. Not the names, all right? A list of the types. And what you're probably gonna notice is many of these types are on uh, your list as well. And the reality is, if I'm being honest with you, I can be all of these things uh, in my life as well. The first uh, type of killjoy is the hammer. You know who the hammer is? The hammer is the, the, the person that just always uses intimidation 
in the relationships. They're the bull in the, the china shop, right? They, they want to lead. They want to express themselves through hostility, through, you know, this is my way or the highway. You know, I said it, and that's the way we're going to do it. That's the hammer. If you're in a relationship with, you know, someone that, that leads you by intimidation, that's more than likely that they are the hammer. The other one is uh, this guy right here. This is the rambler or the megaphone, right? The talker. This is the person that just talks and talks and talks and talks and talks. They will, they will talk you into submission, right? <laughs> this is a person who's blah, 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 blah. They'll talk you, like literally they'll talk you into an arm bar. That's what they do. Like until finally you just want to give in and be like, just stop talking. If you stop talking, then we can be fine. That's the, the rambler. The other one is this one right here. Hang on. All right, the deflator. This is the person that poops on everything that you say. <laughs> that no matter what's going on, no matter what's good, they have something to say about it, right? This is the person that you could be like, man, we've had such great weather in Erie. It's summer, it's you know, fall out and it's still warm, it's beautiful out. The deflator says, well, winter's coming. <laughs> That's the deflator. Like they will put down anything, it doesn't matter. This is a person you'd say, man, my kid is so awesome. They did so good at their recital and their dance. They say, no, they didn't, they're terrible. You know, that's the deflator. Some of you know those types of people, the deflator. Oh, and then we got a, well, this one right here, the volcano. This is the person that just like out of the blue just explodes, right? They've been holding on to some anger or some bitterness and all of a sudden just they erupt and they spew molten hot lava language, and generally they leave this, this wake of disaster you know, behind them. They go all Mount St. Helens on you. That's the volcano, and then there's this one. How many of you know what this is right here? I tried to get this on earlier. What's this? Wonder Woman. It's the Wonder Woman. It's Little Miss Perfect. <laughs> this is the person who has the perfect life, the perfect family. This is the lady that you showed up to church today and they said, hey, before I came to church today, I, you know, I knitted a dress and I made butter. And <laughs> I finished my PhD in physics and I, I ran a marathon while pushing a stroller. What did you do today? It's like, get out my face. You know, I just got out of bed. That's Wonder Woman. The other one, oh, this one's good too. This is, this is the clam. This is the person that manipulates you by the mute button. This is the person that you say, you know, uh, you know is everything okay? Are we good? No. Hey, are you sure? You know, we're fine. You, you don't need to talk about anything? That's a killjoy. They're a killjoy. The person that manipulates you, they love to, to do the, the silent treatment. And then we got, oh, this one, the nitpicker. Like every little thing you do, right? It doesn't matter. They take the tiniest little thing and they just, you know, go over the details, you know, of it. You can't do anything right. They just pick, pick, pick. How many of you got some nitpickers in your, all right, maybe you should, I shouldn't ask that question. Um, and then this one right here, the crybaby. This person just constantly complains and they whine. They're also known as the squeaky wheel, and they complain in order to control. They're the cry baby. It's like, 
man, whatever you want, just stop crying, just stop crying. Um, then this one, this one is the garbage collector. This is the person that you thought you dealt with things. You thought you threw some stuff out. Uh-uh, they picked it up and they put it right in here. And all the pain, all the hurt, all the past mistakes that you made, they load it up and they carry this with them into the next conversation, into the next day, into the next week, into the next year, right? This person takes it with them and then all of a sudden what they do, they dump it all out. And it's like, it's the person that would say, well, you don't remember, but back in 1996, <laughs> you ate that last pepperoni ball and I'm wounded. I'm wounded, all right, that's the garbage collector. It's like, man, you've been holding on that for a long time. It's starting to stink up in here. Oh, this one, this is the devil's advocate. Mm -hmm. Now listen, you don't, you don't even have to ask who the devil's advocate is because they announce who they are. They say, well, excuse me, if I could just play the devil's advocate, you know, for a minute here. That's what they do. The devil's advocate let me just be honest, I despise the devil's advocate for two reasons. One is this, you know what advocate means? Like look it up, it means supporter, promoter, or champion. So what you're saying is, you know, if I could just be the devil's champion here for a minute. Like the devil doesn't need an advocate. He doesn't need a champion, all right? The second thing is this, the person that says, you know, if I can just be devil's advocate, what they're doing is they're absolving themselves from taking responsibility from what they're about to say next while at the same time keeping an I told you so in their pocket just in case the direction of the consensus happens to fail. The devil's advocate is a killjoy. And if you got devil's advocates in your organization or on your team or anything, man, you gotta get rid of those people quickly. The devil's advocate, one more, that's the one upper, the one upper. You know those one upper people? Be like, man, I'm just having a great day. Well, my day's better, right? That's the one upper people. But the reality is when we're confronted with all these, and I know there's many, many different, you know, there's more than these killjoys that are represented here. But when you're confronted with these guys, you got to understand they all see life a little differently. They see life through, through different lenses based on what's happened in their past. Like the person that, that's a killjoy because they've been hurt, everything they see is magnified. They see life through magnification and amplification. These are awesome, aren't they? These are so cool. Like everything is a big deal to them. Even the little things are big things. They have the potential to blow up because of the hurt, the things that are in their past. So they see through these lenses, the, another type of person they see through the lenses of everything is layered. And so you, you deal with one thing and you just kind of peel back this layer and there's something else there that you gotta deal with. You're like, man, I thought we already dealt with that. No, there's more, there's more. We still got to talk about some stuff. There's more, right, going on. So they see things through layers and then one last one, and to be honest, we all can fall into this one, I believe, at certain times. And these are awesome right here. These are the lenses of me, myself, and I. <laughs> What's up? Where it's all about me. It's my deal, it's what I want, it's how I feel about it. These are a lot of fun. Like, like if you're ever having a bad day, you just need to throw these bad boys on, right? Wear these to the office. <laughs> you will get fired, but you will have fun, you'll have fun. So when we talk about how we're gonna ultimately 
cope with the crazy makers in our life, how we're going to respond to the killjoys. We need to understand, you know, all the different kinds and what makes them that way, but also understand that they see life through different lenses. And the reality is you have a choice on how you respond. Nobody can force you to respond in a certain way. In fact, uh, if you wanna write these down, here are your choices. Maybe you've heard these before. You can choose to curse it. You can choose to get angry at them, you know, live on their level. Like that person that, that, you know, you spewed molten hot lava on me, I'm just gonna spew it back on you. You can get down on their level, you can curse it, or you can nurse it. You can just carry around the hurt carry around the wound, you're the garbage collector, you just take it from one thing to the next to the next, or you can rehearse it. That's replaying the offense over and over and over, never letting go of the unforgiveness, never letting go of the bitterness, you're just holding on to that grudge, or, and what we need to focus on today is how we reverse it. Reverse it. How do we reverse the impact that the, the killjoys have in our lives. What, what practically can we do? And again, the reality is all of us can be those killjoys at times. So let's look and see what God's word says today to help us cope. Um, Otherwise, chances are we might respond, you know, in the wrong way. I'm going to give you six things to write down in rapid fire succession, what the Bible has to say. Number one is this, realize you can't please everyone. Now, this is huge. You just got to realize there's some people you're just not ever going to please. You're not going to be able to please everyone. Those of you that are saying, all right, I'm going to reverse it. I'm going I'm to find that joy killer, and I'm going to turn their frown upside down. You know, I'm going to make them smile. You just got to understand you can't please everyone. Jesus said this in John 5, 30. He said, by myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but who? But him who sent me. Jesus decided that, you know what? It's not about me pleasing people. It's about me pleasing God. You need to get to that point in your life that the goal is not to just please people. The goal is to please God, that ultimately you're not gonna be able to please everyone anyway. Now for me, if I'm honest, this is hard because sometimes, you know, pastors run into this problem of, man, we just want people to be happy. Just want everybody to get along, right? Why can't we just have a Coke and a smile all the time, right? But the reality is trying to please people, one, is tough. It's confusing sometimes because you, you think maybe you're doing an okay job and the next thing you know, you know, they're gone and talking bad about you. And three, ultimately, it's impossible to do. It's impossible to do. So you just gotta realize you can't please everyone. That doesn't give you an excuse to be obnoxious or rude, to say, well, I'm not gonna please you anyway, so you know, just forget you. But what it does, it frees you up to say, I've done all I can do. I'm not gonna be able to please you. My priority is to please God. I've done everything I can do. My priority is to please God and not you. It gives you freedom to do that. Realize you can't please everyone. Number two is this, don't play the game. Don't play the game. Don't stoop down to their level. Don't get sucked in to that. John 2, 24 says this, but Jesus did not trust them because he knew all about people. 
He knew what was going on. He knew their agendas. He knew the lies. He knew the untruths you know, that were being told. He knew the anger, the hurt, and Jesus never got involved in that. He never stooped down into the, the quicksand, never got sucked into that. And in our world today, it's so easy to get sucked into the quicksand of crazy, isn't it? This happens in the workplace. People are talking around the water cooler. Did you hear about so-and-so? Did you hear about so-and-so? It's so easy to get sucked in and caught up in that. In our marriages, you know, we just get caught up in it. And one of the main places people get sucked in to that is on the internets. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're going to post something, and I know it's not internets, by the way. I just said that. You're going to post something on Facebook, right? You're going to post a comment, and somebody sees that, and you want to dive in, man. You want to you dive into the drama. You want to be like, oh, really? You know, she didn't do that. Yes, she did. All right, and you're going to go ahead and comment, too. And you get sucked into that. Jesus never got sucked in. Don't play the game. And when you do, man. When you say, you want some comments? I'll comment. I got seven comments, you know, nah, nah, nah. When you do, the hook has been set. You've just gotten involved in the mix. Don't play the game. Number three is this, elevate your position. Elevate your position. Elevate not just the name of an awesome church, but also having to do with altitude. One of the best things that you can do is to decide I'm not gonna please God or I'm not gonna please people, I'm gonna please God. I'm not gonna engage in the game and then I'm gonna take the high road. I'm gonna rise above the noise. I'm gonna elevate my position. Don't you love Isaiah 40, 31 says, but those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. They rise above it. Like eagles, we rise above it. The storm clouds of turmoil, the storm of of envy, of malice, of deception, all that. When you're in the middle of it, that's all you can see. So you need to rise above it. You need to elevate your position. You need to see it from a different perspective and altitude. I love what someone said. You can't fly like an eagle if you're hanging with the turkeys. How many of you know that's true? Stop hanging with the turkeys. Number four, and this one's tough, pay back with blessing. Pay back with blessing. It's a two-part verse, 1 Peter 3 and 9. They says it clearly. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. How many of you know that's easy to read, hard to live out? Does anyone else have a problem with this? I'm not the only one. Like, and if it stopped there, I might be okay with that. All right, don't repay evil for evil. Don't insult when you get insulted. Okay, instead it says, it's like, why has there got to be an instead? Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That's hard to do. Somebody hurts me. You know, they're, they're being evil. They insult. Like, I, I want to pay them back. I want to pay them back with a karate chop. I want to pay them back. It says pay them back with a blessing. The flesh, our earthly, fleshly bodies, our desires, we want to pay back an offense with an equal or greater offense, don't we? But it says don't do that. Don't retaliate. You kill my joy, I'm going to kill your joy. We do this in our marriage. You hurt me, you said something mean to me, I'm going to hurt you back. We do this in life. You coming at me, I'm going to come back at you. It's what we do, but the Bible says never retaliate. Don't do it. 
And if there was anyone that had justification for retaliation, it was Jesus. Jesus, you know, could have said, all right, you wanna mess with me? Fine, from now on, all the guys, you're mice, be mice, done, mice. And all your wives are now cats, be cats, you're cats. Have a good day, right? But he didn't do that. Jesus never retaliated being beaten and crucified and persecuted and spit on the whole time. What did he say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He never retaliated, did not retaliate, didn't hold it against them. He said, put it on me. That's what Jesus did. What a savior. What a savior. God, help us not to retaliate, but to pay back with blessings. Number five is this. Pray for them. Pray. Release them to God. Give them to God. The reality is most people, you're never going to be able to fix. Only God. That ultimately, God, we want to see this person come to know you. That God, I'm not going to get involved in the game. I'm not going to retaliate. You know, I want to release them back to you. I'm going to pray for them. Commit to praying for them. Commit to praying for that killjoy in your life. Matthew 5, says it this way, but I say, love your enemies and do what? Pray. Pray for those who persecute you. Not for those who like you. Don't pray for those who agree with you all the time. Don't pray for those, you know, that just compliment you and make you feel good. He says, pray for those who persecute you. Those who don't like you. Those who, who don't want anything to do with you. Those that look down their nose at you. Ever had anybody look down their nose at you? Ever had those people that look at you and as soon as they see you, they kind of roll their eyes and go, Pfft, oh. You ever had that? It was, it was about two months ago. My wife and I, we were going to a meeting. And we, we pulled up next to this other family. They were getting out of their car. We were getting out of their car. Just, just so happened to be next to each other. And they got out of their car. I got out of my car. And this lady looks at me. I'm not even kidding. She looks at me. Makes eye contact, so I know she was looking at me, all right? Looks at me and she goes, Ugh. I'm like, Kristen, is she looking at me? Did she, did she just do that to me? And Kristen's like, I don't know, I don't know. I'm like, I think she's looking at me. I think she just, me. I think she just did that. Like, why did she do that? And she, Kristen's like, let it go, let it go. I'm like, no, I'm gonna find out, you know, what's up? Because that's what we want to do. And I'm like, hey, how's it going? Pastor Colby Elevate Church. She's like, I know who you are. I'm like, all right, whatever. But that's what we want to do, right? You know, we, it's hard. Those people that, that persecute you, that come against you, what a challenge. God's word says to pray for them, to extend that same grace to them that God has given us. Here's what I'm learning. When I, when I do that, when I pray for people, I see them differently. When I pray for somebody, you know, a lot of times like, like that, I want to run my mouth. I want to get involved. I want to text somebody. Somebody hurts you. You know, you, you, want, to, you want to get them back or you got to tell other people about what happened because we want to take sides too, right, don't we? We get people on my side, you know, of this matter. But what I'm learning is when I, when I pray for them, I begin to see them as God would see them. I see them through, through, through God's lenses, and I remember how much grace and mercy God has extended to me. And I see them differently. And I want to extend that same grace and mercy to them. Pray for them. Pray for them. Um, maybe five years ago, I was on my way home from work. And Kristen had me stop at Little Caesars to get a hot and ready. You guys know hot and ready's? All right. Hot and ready. 
hot rain. See, I had y'all fooled. Y'all thought this was uh, Whole Foods going on right here. This is Little Caesars hot and ready, all right? I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying to do better. But they used to have this, this deep dish. I think they still do, but we would stop. Let's get this hot and ready deep dish. And I remember stopping uh, the one on, on 26 and Peninsula. If you don't work there, sorry. Sorry, this is not about you. And uh, go in there. It's like six people waiting. And they're obviously short-staffed, right? They're doing their best to like crank these things out because everybody loves them some hot and ready. So they're cranking them out. And this guy, he's in there. He's like 70 years old. And he's like visibly like upset. Visibly, he's just like, ah, oh, just looking at his watch. Like, come on, you know? And, and he would turn to me. He's like, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, I, I like started not to like him very much, all right? I started to think ill of him. I wanted him to get home with his hot and ready and it not be cooked all the way through, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> and so I didn't like him. And he's sitting there, oh. And finally, they're like, here's your hot and ready. He's like, thank you. He takes it and he storms out. And all of a sudden, it's like super tense up in Little Caesars. And it shouldn't be tense in Little Caesars, okay? Little Caesars should be full of, of life and calories and, and fun and all that kind of stuff. But he storms out. And about 30 seconds later, he comes right back in. He's like, you forgot my crazy bread. You forgot my crazy bread. He starts like holding his heart. I'm like, my crazy bread. I'm like, this dude's gonna die in Little Caesars. He's going down, right? The last thing he's gonna see is a hot and ready. That's what's going on. I started thinking if, if he goes down, I'm not, I'm not giving him mouth to mouth. I don't even know what's happening. I'll call Mill Creek police, but I'm not, I'm not giving him mouth to mouth. And so he gets his crazy bread and he storms out. And, uh, you know, I went ahead and, you know, got, got my hot and ready deep dish and, and started home. And I go out the door and I see this guy at this, this old broke down minivan, 70 years old. He's got the side door open and he's feeding like these six little babies, these, these kids, like from maybe like four years to like 11, 12 years old. And he's feeding him this, this crazy bread and this, this one hot and ready pizza. And I had this thought, this overwhelming thought that, you know what? He's not just taking them out for a nice dinner with grandpa. But you could tell that they were like his responsibility now. That he, something he didn't plan on that happened. And I started to pray for him. I saw him differently. See, when you, when you pray for people, you see things differently. You see them differently. You see that maybe they're going through something, that maybe they're seeing life through a different set of lenses than you are. And you start to see them as God sees them. And here's what I know. When you start to pray for people, they might not change, but I promise you, you will change. You will change. You'll do something in your heart, in your life. The last one is this. Live peacefully. Live peacefully. I love this last verse, if we could just throw it up here. It says, instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Romans 12, 18 says, do all that you can to live in peace with each other. See, it's hard to deal with the, the killjoys. It's hard to, to deal with the distress with the tension, with the, the, the crazy makers in our lives. But when I start to remember how much God has forgiven me, just me, 
how much God has extended mercy and grace to me, like I start to see them differently. Like it wasn't that long ago, maybe, I don't know, just a few months. There were some people that, um, I'll, I'll be honest, you know, they, their words didn't line up with their actions, did something, said something, whatever, it doesn't matter. And I took that hurt and you know what I did? I nursed it. I rehearsed it. I, uh, I cursed it at times. And I thought I dealt with it, but it was just something that was laying dormant. It was like that, that volcano just getting ready to erupt. And I realized it when one day I was just, you know, got up, just studying God's word, just praying and seeking God. And it seemed like the heavens were a little bit hard. Has that ever happened to you? Like it was just a little more difficult. You couldn't quite get your prayers through. Just something, there was just this disconnect that was going on. And I realized that there was this, this seed of hate that started to, to grow inside of my spirit. The seed that was in there. And I started, man, I just realized, man, I hated, like I'm not proud of it, but I, I was hating these people. And in that moment, God spoke to me and said, you know what, Colby, you will never have to forgive someone more than I've already forgiven you. So why on earth would you cross your arms and close your arms to the people that I've opened up my arms to? And the moment I realized, and God's word even says, if you don't forgive others, he's not gonna forgive me. And I was just, that was it. That was it. The way we cope with those joy killers in our lives is that we live in this, this freedom that we have in Christ and understand all that we've been forgiven for. And then we extend that same forgiveness and grace and mercy to everyone else. Could you bow your head with me today? Because the reality is many of you, even as we're talking and sharing examples of the different kinds, there are people in your life that are sucking the joy out of your life. But the reality is you get to choose how you respond to them. Like you get to make that decision. Whether you're gonna curse it, whether you're gonna nurse it, you're gonna carry it with you, rehearse it over and over, or you're going to reverse it. You're gonna let it go. And the way you do that is through prayer, is asking God to, to help you do it, but then also forgiving them and realizing that as a follower of Jesus, how much you've been forgiven for yourself. And those who are in Christ, man, we know what we have in Jesus. We know how much we've been forgiven for, so maybe today you set them free too in Jesus' name. Now, while we're praying today, there are those of you in this room, maybe you're carrying this, this hate, this burden, this, this bitterness, this grudge. You're holding something against someone. And in fact, you can't even begin how to think how to take that next step with them. And the reality is, is you've never given your life to Jesus. When I say in Christ we're free, you don't have that. You don't have that, that to fall back on, to, to say I forgive you, that I release you, and you give them over to God. And the reality is you're going through life and you're just, you're just trying to manage relationship after relationship and you've never said yes to the most important relationship that you could possibly have and that's a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's saying yes to following him. That you've been brought to this room today and you've been battling relationships 
And the reality is you were created for it, but you were created for the most important one, and that is your relationship with God. And the way you have that is you say yes to Jesus. You realize that for the first time, maybe, Jesus died for your sin. He died for your shame. He died for all the burdens that you carry, that you can lay them at the foot of the cross that he was crucified on. And when you do that, the Bible says, and when you confess Jesus as Lord, you call on his name, the Bible says you're saved. You're free from that once and for all, from all your sin, past, present, and future. And now you're given a purpose and a person to live for, and that's Jesus Christ. So if that's you today, and that's why you're brought here, let me lead you in this prayer. Maybe you've never prayed this prayer before, and today you pray it for the first time. You can pray this with me, you can pray it out loud, you can whisper it in your heart. Pray this, Jesus, today, I confess you as Lord. I understand that there is no other name on earth or in heaven by which I must be saved. And so today, I surrender my life to you. God, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me, to take away my sin and the sin of the world. And so today, I receive the price that he paid. I receive him into my heart and my life. And I choose from this moment on to follow Jesus with everything that I have in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, church. Can you celebrate big with those that made the best decision of their life? We are always encouraged to know that God is using Elevate to bless people's lives. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, share your story online at elevateerie.tv.